welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Um, hey, uh, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit because our God is three in one. Something that we sang there, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The words to the song do not say, I'm afraid of some freaky goblin or scary ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God and the Father is God. Three in one. And there's fear sometimes, unfortunately, that comes with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Sarah Shepard um, if she would come up. She came up to me just as we were singing and just felt as though there was a, a something, thump, thumping, thumping. Thumpin'. <laughs> that's not Louisiana speak, I'm sorry. Uh, Lu- that's not even how you say Louisiana. No, Louisiana. Louisiana, I know. There's no, yeah. Sarah, would you? I just feel like that uh, this whole week, from the moment last week that we, we talked a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit to life group this week, to, to everything that, um, and I had coffee with a couple of ladies and I had um, prayer time with people in life group and there's a lot of fear involved right now in this understanding of the Holy Spirit and who he is to us and there's, there's this fear about especially speaking in tongues. It seems like that's the direction that every time we talk about the Holy Spirit, everybody wants to go to that direction. And there's so many more gifts than that. Mm-hmm. And we all experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and fear itself, I mean, today, Kev was telling us he's going to talk about... Are you stealing my thunder? G- Jesus, you know, <laughs> like coming back. And, and that, that stuff, I was raised in one of those churches where there's a lot of fear in that. And there's a lot of fear in listening to people speak in tongues. And there's a lot of fear in seeing healing. Like Stu walking across here last week when he got healed. It's real. And the Holy Spirit loves us so very much. And he is Jesus. You know, we, we think of the Holy Spirit as being that third person. But he's, they're all Jesus. They're all the same precious man that held the children in their lap. And he holds us, and he doesn't want us to have fear of things that we don't know. And he just wants us to go to the elders or go to our pastors and pray with them and say, you know, I'm scared of this. I am scared. I don't get it. And, and I just really believe that there's somebody here today that is actually thought about not coming to church because you didn't really want to hear the next part of the story. Amen. Thank you, sir. I'm going to walk you down because no one, <laughs> no one goes down on my watch. So, <laughs> Yvonne, would you come on up for a minute? Um, Yvonne Lovell uh, shared with me this morning a testimony, and I just, I, I, want, I want her, I want, I want you to hear it. Enough of us just telling you, like, just believe me, just, you know, I'm up on the platform. I want you to hear people's stories and, and have them share from their own life and their own experience. Oh, boy, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've always believed in God, I've always believed in Jesus, and I have always believed in the Holy Spirit, but there's, there was always a doubt. And I, uh, last week, when we were doing healing, I had come up because I knew there was something missing in my heart. And I came up and Pastor Mark 
um, I, I went up to him and I asked him to pray for me. I said, I need healing of my heart. I'm missing something in my heart. So he prayed, and I told him I needed the Holy Spirit. I had once been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I had doubt. I felt like I was um, being directed to speak in a prayer language that... Uh, being made to speak in a prayer language. So I had doubt. So the Holy Spirit wasn't fully in me. So Pastor Mark prayed over me, and he actually prayed that I would wake up in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, like, boom, I I would have my prayer language. Well, it didn't happen. But Wednesday at Life Group, um, I was at Life Group, and we were discussing last week's message, And all of a sudden, I just, for a few seconds, I felt like I was in another dimension. And then there was somebody in our life group that needed prayer, so we were praying over her. And all of a sudden, my prayer language just came out. Just came out. Um, It was just amazing. I, I know now I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's just, it's just a true blessing. We... I don't know, if you have fear, then just talk to somebody. Have somebody pray with you. And if you're meant to have that prayer language, God will give it to you when it's your time to have it. Thank you, Bob. Fear has no place in the church. Ever. Fear has no place in the church. Fear does not come from God. That's the enemy. Yvonne talked about how when, when she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I, 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 I've said this over and over again, I'll say this again, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. There would be some who would teach and say, well, unless you pray in tongues... Unless you speak in tongues, unless you're a tongue talker, you did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is garbage. That's false teaching. If you receive, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the filling, the infilling, the overflow, however you want to refer to it, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. And there are gifts that do come. We talked about them last week. The Holy Spirit wants to give you gifts, and he does. Gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, words of wisdom, the ability to speak in tongues, like to to give a word in, in an unknown language. Another gift is the interpretation of those unknown languages. Healing. He gives gifts. He wants to give them. And you should desire them. I, I, I say that not from my own opinion. That's from the Word of God, which the first week in January when we began this series, Veritas, Truth, we understand this book entirely is truth. Nothing within it is false. And so if we understand that to be truth, then we understand one of the things that's said in there, and that is that you should desire greatly the gifts. 
all of us should desire them. Not be fearful of one or the other. The Holy Spirit isn't going to make you a babbling idiot. I'll dispel that myth right now. The Holy Spirit is not going to cause you to all of a sudden be in the grocery line or at your locker at school or in a presentation in a business meeting and all of a sudden just start babble, babble, babble. The Holy Spirit isn't going to do that. But there are gifts that he gives. And a prayer language is something that can come. It's something that you should desire. And I say this specifically because it is the perfect prayer. There are things that you are unaware of within your own life, within the lives of other people. And when you exercise your prayer language, when you pray in this unknown language, unknown tongue to you, it is known. It's known by the Holy Spirit. And it's known by God. And there's a direct line of communication. Even more direct, and I say direct line of communication because like, when you pray to God the Father, Jesus the Son, or the Holy Spirit. When you pray, there is a direct line of communication from you to God. You don't need an intermediary to work on your behalf. But there are times where you don't even know what to pray. Trust me, as a pastor, over and over again, I have no clue what to pray when I'm talking with people, when I'm encountering different situations. And I know if I feel that way, I know within this room, we are a room full of people who just at times don't have any idea what to pray. But you know that you need to pray. And that's where the prayer language is just a beautiful image of the Holy Spirit within you, interceding on your behalf, praying on your behalf, or on behalf of the situation you find yourself in, and praying the perfect prayer praying what you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you, with you, in partnership, because you give voice to the Holy Spirit. They just supply, he just supplies the words. It's not to be feared. And I, my heart, my desire for each of you is that you would eagerly desire that prayer language. But don't look at it as, yep, now I got my, my pen. Receive my prayer language. I'm in the club. Because that's not what it's about. And for anyone who has not yet received, for one reason or another, don't consider yourself second class. Because there are no classes here. Trust me, I have no class. <laughs> or at least I've been accused of that. I just, for some reason this morning, I just felt the importance of being able to speak that. That's not even where we're going this morning. You just got, uh, that one's a freebie. If you're confused, if you're fearful, if you're worried, if, if you just don't understand... Ask questions. Have others pray with you. But 
If I could say one thing to you, it's, it's desire. Desire the fullness of all that the Holy Spirit has for you because those are gifts from God who loves you greatly. So this morning, we are, kind of, we are wrapping up. This is the very final message of the Veritas series. And I want to point out something. Um, some of you, we, we walk in here every week, and you, you see on the... Go ahead and everyone turn around. Don't, don't look at the person behind you, but look at the wall behind you um, in the center of the room. There are stained glass windows. And a lot of people, those are pretty. You know, look kind of religious. So fits in a church. We are a four-square church. We are a Pentecostal, charismatic church. And those four squares represent what the four-square gospel is. We believe Jesus Christ, the cross, is our Savior. He died on the cross so that we ourselves could be reconciled, restored in right relationship with God the Father. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ is also our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. There's a cup. That cup is one of, we'll call it an elixir. We believe that Jesus Christ is also a healer. And last week, many of you came forward twofold to step out in this gift, taking a risk and saying, you know, I believe that God has placed on me the ability, the the gift of healing. And so some of you step forward to say, I'm going to take the risk and exercise this gift. And then others took the risk of coming forward because you desire healing for one thing or another. And you came forward for prayer for healing. I've heard story after story, and I can't wait for us. I, I think, Richie, I'm calling an audible on Friday night with the, the worship night. There's going to be times of testimony where people are actually sharing all of the healings that have taken place. Because I'm hearing them and I'm encouraged. So what? You need to hear them and be encouraged. He's our healer. The fourth one, the king, the, the crown, that is Jesus Christ as our soon coming king. He is our soon coming king. Jesus has been with us already. He came 2,000 years ago and walked the earth but he will return again. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is Jesus' return and how we live our lives. You guys have all experienced all this snow. I'm not the only one. Misery loves company. Um, a few weeks ago, and of course you, you saw all the news stories, the, the media is great on hopping on fear. And... Uh, So, you know, there's a crack in a wall at a school that was just built. Get out there and shovel your roofs. And so all the contractors that weren't busy building this winter went to work um, making all kinds of money clearing roofs that maybe didn't necessarily need to be cleared. But um, mine did. And I kept looking up at the roof and seeing the snow. It's a lot of snow up there. It's a lot of snow. I mean, if we've got... 80 plus inches of snow on the ground. Well, your roof is kind of the ground, it's just up higher. And think about it. <laughs> he says things so weird, but they make sense. Um, just another place for the snow to land. 
Five o'clock in the morning, we're laying in bed, and I'm usually like, well, my wife says I just can't hear the kids yell or cry or anything, so, and that is a gift. <laughs> I believe it's a gift from the Holy Spirit just for me. But five o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden I just heard this just snapping sound. This, this. I'm like, Kim, do you hear that? Yeah. What, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> so my job is to walk around the house and just look up and turn on lights and throw another log in the fire and then get back in bed and just pray I don't hear any more noise. And then I heard an, another, and it was a, just a loud, deep thud. this pop. That's not... So now you go into panic mode. I should have cleared my roof off. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I should have listened to my wife. So... <laughs> so there's two lessons there. So I... Now I'm in a panic, and so I said, and it's funny because I said, Kim, come on, we're going downstairs. Figure, you know, if the roof caves in, we won't be in the bedroom, we'll be downstairs. So. But we didn't wake up the kids. <laughs> so. But they have smaller rooms and more wall protection and stuff. So I figured they'd be safe. Said a prayer as we walked down the stairs. And I waited. I mean, literally, like, okay, I'm looking out the window. I actually went on Weather Channel to see when is the sun going to rise. Like, when does the sun rise enough so that it'll be light enough out so that I can get up on my roof and clear this? I, I need to get this done. And so, and our ladder isn't long enough, so um, I had to, we've got a skylight in our bathroom. And so I set the ladder up in the bathroom and climbed out the skylight and I'm pushing snow and kind of crawled through. I was like, I was giving, I was being born again um, <laughs> through my skylight, climbing, climbing out through, get up onto the roof and clear the snow off. When the pops came, there was a sense of urgency for me. I put things off until, you know, it's like if I don't do this, the roof is going to cave in. And that's how we live our lives all too often. There's no sense of urgency. There's no rush. Man, we can, it, it'll take care of itself. If you don't believe me, just ask your kids to take the trash out. There's no urgency. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. We live our lives that way even in our relationship with Jesus. The truth is that Jesus could return at any moment. When I say one of our doctrinal beliefs is that Jesus Christ is our soon coming king, we don't say Jesus Christ is our coming king. Jesus Christ is our soon coming king. He will return. I can make a statement of fact and say we are closer today than we have ever been to his return. It's just an obvious statement because yesterday, like, we're one day closer. He's coming at some point. We don't know when. Scripture is very clear about that. We don't know the day or the hour. And anyone that tells you they know the day or the hour, you know, the ones that hold those signs up on the walls or, you know, stick them, stick them on the telephone poles. Uh, Jesus is returning on this day at this time, so come, but make sure you give your offering before you leave. Um, just ignore them because no one knows the day or the hour. But he is coming back. 
And we should live prepared with a sense of urgency. This isn't a message like the one that uh, I experienced back in the 70s where, you know, Jesus is coming and you better be ready because he'll, he'll come like a thief in the night. And, you know, the, the, the message that I was given was really that the, the, the designed intention was to scare the hell out of you, literally. This isn't that message. But it is a message where I speak with an urgency. The way we live our lives each and every day matters. And what we've talked about over the past weeks, past couple months now, understanding that we have Jesus as our Savior and we are restored in right relationship with God. It's not just so that, yay, I got my free pass. Someday when I die, I'll go to heaven and it'll all be good. And I'll you know, sing with the angels forever. It's not about that. It's, it, it is about that, but it's also about the life that we live today, the example that we serve for others, the person or people that we become. And the goal is that we become more and more like Jesus every day. Talking about the Holy Spirit over the past few weeks and understanding that Jesus said he, he came that we would have life and life to the full and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us a fullness that we would not experience without him. And so we need to step into that life. We need to step into those gifts. We need to say yes and amen to every opportunity we have to live with Jesus, to do life with God and with others. The sense of urgency that we have is also for how we live lives, our lives around others and how we share who we are with others. I want you to uh, open your Bible to the book of Matthew. If you don't have a physical Bible with you, I know you probably have a smartphone with a Bible app on it. And if you have a smartphone and you don't have a Bible app on it, you should download a Bible app and use it. Get into God's Word. Because it is the only thing, the only true source of understanding for how we live our lives. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, beginning with verse 1, I hear pages turning, so I'll let you flip. In Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1, it says, Then the the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. I guess they just thought it would be a nice shiny accessory. It goes with my belt. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, 
Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. Hear me. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. It's interesting that the context that you read this in, if you flip back to the beginning of chapter 24, with verse 3, it says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell, tell us when, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus answered them. And you can see from that page forward, if you've got a Bible like mine, it's all in red letters, right through chapter 25. He never stopped talking. So he was sitting on the Mount of Olives with just a small group of people, private conversation, and he was sharing with them. He shared the story of the virgins and their lamps and five who would be ready and five who would not be ready. This wasn't a message that he gave to everyone to cause fear or, or to scare people into a decision. And so that's why I say our intention, my intention this morning is not to scare you into a decision. My, my intention this morning, though, is to speak and say, please, hear my heart, be ready. Live your life in such a way that you know that when Jesus returns, there's no question about what happens for you. Live your life in such a way that pleases and honors God. Live your life according to this book, according to the principles within it. Be ready. But be ready not just for yourself. We can ask the question, you know, what, what does it mean for a Christian to keep oil in the lamp? Oil is, is another kind of symbolic reference to the Holy Spirit. So live your life ready. Living a spirit-filled life and engaging the ministry of Jesus and, and the least of these. Caring for the needs of others. Helping others when they're in times of trial. Reaching out to them. Living your life beyond just what you can get out of life. The lamp lit or the, the burning oil serving the least of these, the least of those around us with our talents. Oil's only useful when it's burnt. Oil's only useful when it's burnt, when it's put into use. If you just keep it in a flask, if you just keep it in a big vat, oh great, you got a bucket of oil. But, but what's it for? It's to be used. I'm not talking about works salvation here. This works mentality that you have to do, do, do in order to be approved by God. 
but rather just living out a life that shows the evidence of a transformation. You see, when your life has been changed by the love of Christ, you can't help but see needs around you and help those who are in need. That's evidence of a transformed life. It's a life we need to be living, caring for the needs of others around us. Those that have been redeemed and transformed by the Holy Spirit have the Spirit living inside of them and consequently their life should bear the fruit and works of the Holy Spirit within them. We need to understand that within Scripture there's the concept and the reality of a final judgment. There will be a time, and Scripture talks about the goats and the sheep, there will be a time where there's a judgment, a separation. We need to live our lives in such a way that we'll be ready. The goats are judged for neglecting the needs of their neighbors. They're judged for neglecting to serve the least of these. We often think of God's judgment as him calling us to account for the things that we've done wrong. But in this parable, it's God is calling the goats to account for the good that they neglected to do. That's a heart check. It's not about the bad things that you've done in your life, but the good that you neglected to do when you knew that you could. And we all have those opportunities. This week, I I want you, because I love to give homework, This week, I want you to read all of chapter 25 in Matthew. If you've got your notes, go ahead and scribble it down. Read Matthew 25. If you're on your smartphone, go ahead and set it to do with a reminder. Read Matthew 25. Matthew 25 goes into not only the parable of the ten virgins, but also a parable of the talents. What do you do with what God has given you? Are you using it to the maximum capacity that you can, or are you squandering what God has entrusted you with? It talks about final judgment. What does it mean for a Christian to keep oil in their lamp? This week, read Matthew 25, think about it, maybe journal on it, talk about it in your life group this week. There's different scriptures that we can look at, and I, I want to put up a slide Because the truth of the matter is Jesus is coming back. And there's different scriptures that I'd love for you to read. And so here's some additional homework. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, Matthew 24, 26 through 30, and Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. You can read through these scriptures. I don't need to spend a lot of time on them this morning, but I can tell you they speak of Jesus' return. They speak of the eminence of that. Eminence, soon, is that? Imminence, the one with I, not E, right? Okay, just so everyone, like, so, yeah, you already said he's a king. Each one of us needs to stop and do a heart check. Each one of us, we we need to examine our lives to see if we're living with a sense of urgency, not just with, with how we live our own personal lives, but how we're living around others. 
My greatest fear is that Jesus returns and we go to heaven and somehow I have like, you know, like in my bathroom, I've got that skylight. Well, I don't know, we all say, you know, it's up, heaven is up in the clouds. My greatest fear is that I've got like a, a floor light and I can look down and I can see those who I knew who I didn't care enough about to share Jesus with. My greatest fear is seeing people that I loved and cared about, but I didn't really love and care about them because I didn't share who Jesus was. I didn't share the gospel with them. I didn't make the most of every opportunity. My greatest fear is that people would be left behind, that I could have done something about. That should check each of us. I have family members who have walked away from God, who have chosen other ways to live. And I know right now, if Jesus were to return, it wouldn't go so well. We need to live our lives, not just for ourselves, but for others, to share his love with them. We need to be motivated to bring others into the kingdom. To have just evangelistic passion to share who Jesus is with others. Something to speak about is we each have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. The five who didn't have the oil were trying to get in on the oil of others. If you're here because your wife made you come or your husband made you come or your mother made you come or your father made you come or your grandmother or if you're here just, well, yeah, I I do the church thing because, you know, I'm supposed to. Yeah, that's what my family does. You don't enter heaven on the merits of others. You enter heaven because you have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, well, if your mom gets in, you get a pass. And we'll let you in too. His desire is that none would perish. His desire, he's he's long-suffering in this. I mean, we would love, you know, there, there are days where, you know, Calgon, take me away. There are days where, you know, come on, Jesus, return now, please. Let's, let's be done with all this foolishness. But he's patient. Because his desire is that none would perish. He's not going to return, um, like, well... I'm not even going to say he's not going to return today because no one knows the day or the hour. But he's trying to give everyone an opportunity to respond, an opportunity to say yes, an opportunity to receive him as Savior. He's doing that because he wants everyone to be with him. 
John 3.16 is very clear. God loved the world. That means everyone in it. It's not an exclusive club. This is no country club. This is no members only list. His desire is that everyone would be with him. But he will come. And you can't get in on someone else's oil. Another person's oil isn't going to get us into the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 14. You can go ahead and turn there. John chapter 14, beginning right at the first verse. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Kind of interesting when, um, I think it's in Second Peter, um, talks about time frame with God and how a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Do the math on this one and think about it. God created in how many days? Six. Yeah, he, and then he took a rest day. Seven days altogether, the creation account. But in six days, he created the world and everything in it every living, living being, all the intricate details of all that took six days. Jesus left the earth 2,000 plus years ago. And he left to go prepare a place for us. Did you guys see the sunrise this morning? Big ball of fire just breaking over the horizon. Not a cloud in sight. It was beautiful. I feel like uh, uh, the, the girl singing from the Top Gun soundtrack. You know, Take my breath away. It was, it was just a... You knew I couldn't get a day without singing a song. It was, just, it was beautiful. Now, if God in six days created just this incredible beauty, this majesty for us to enjoy every moment of every day that we live our lives here on earth. And he's been gone for 2,000 plus years. Imagine the place that he's gone to create. Imagine the place that he's gone to prepare for us. Think about that. His love for you, for each of you, is so incredibly great. And his desire is that we would all be with him, that none of us would be left. His desire is not to point fingers and judge and you filthy scum. His desire is that you would say, come, welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
come and enter into your rest. That's his desire for each. We understand if there's a heaven, there's also a hell. And so many people think hell was just designed for bad people. Maybe some of you parents, that's what you share with your kids. If you don't take the trash out, you're going to hell. (laughs) Don't do that. But a lot of people have this concept that hell is a place designed for every bad person. That's God, God created hell so that bad people... Do you need to get that? God, God created hell for people who don't silence their phones. So, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> stop it, Kevin. Um, no, a lot, of people, a lot of people feel as though God created hell as a place of judgment for all the bad people in the world. God created hell for Satan that he would be put away and no longer bother and attack and steal, kill, and destroy. He would no longer prowl around like a roaring lion seeking whom he would devour. God created hell as a place to lock up Satan that he would be cast away, that he would no longer have any authority or power that he would have no ability to torment any longer. He didn't create hell for you. He created heaven for you. So let's live our lives in such a way, let's say yes to Jesus and live our lives in such a way that we would go there. Let's live our lives in such a way that we would bring every person that we encounter with us. I'm tired of driving by and seeing people who, for one reason or another, are making different choices and living their lives in such a way that, and you don't want to judge them, but it's probably clearly obvious that there's no relationship with God. Let's live our lives in such a way that we're reaching out to them and sharing the love of Jesus, not the condemnation of religious people, but the love of Jesus and reach out to them and share with them and give them the hope so that they can find freedom in their lives, so that they themselves, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, can go with us. The truth of the matter, twofold. We will all die. None of us will live forever here. We will all die at some point. And we can live that way you know, live prepared that, you know, hey, maybe I'll have a heart attack tomorrow and then I'll go to heaven. But we can also live prepared that at any time, Jesus Christ, our soon coming King, will return and we'll be ready, we'll be prepared because there is a rush. There is a sense of urgency that we need to have. No longer waiting. The snow will take care of itself. Eventually it'll melt and I don't have to worry about the roof. Father, I pray for each person here. God, that each and every one of us would desire relationship with you, would desire the fullness of life that only you can bring. God, I I pray that this morning as we are gathered here together, God, if there are those who do not yet know you, Lord, they, they would say yes to you. 
they would take the opportunity to pray with another and receive you as Savior. Live in the forgiveness that you give. Their lives would be completely transformed. Lord, you would restore what has been broken. But God, beyond that, that we would no longer live our lives just for ourselves, but we would see the opportunities all around us to share the gospel, to share the hope and the love and the grace and the mercy that you have for each person. Put within us the passion, the passion to reach others for you, that your kingdom would advance mightily. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.